0: Hi, I'm Tyra G, your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal men and women. You, fearsome and generous, humble and honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Each month we change our theme, inspired by you. Yes, I, I said you. We bravely walk into places where tradition has told us there's some things we just don't talk about. Here we live beyond the wreckage. Every week our goal is to experience, educate, empower one another. We share aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for far too long. Every week we start right where we are. This month we enter the second year of production and proof that dreams can come true. Frankly speaking with Tara G is one of my most precious dreams and I just want to Thank you for being here. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia. On your TV, mobile device, or phone. And we stream live every Saturday evening at 8 o'clock. www.radiofairfax.org That is local, national, and international. And yes, I know it's date night. No worries. You can catch us on YouTube. Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. And for those of you who send me those love notes and email, I encourage that population to grow. Tyra at Tyra Garlington will get you into my ear and into my heart. Thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our theme song for Frankly Speaking with Tyra G and naming it I'm Listening. Our October theme song, theme, excuse me, no song, theme is All Things Considered. I was sitting alone one night thinking, you know, life is for each and every one of us a process. It's not an event. And along that journey, that process, so many things happen. The choices we make, the circumstances that we incur that seem like we have no power to control. And what I wanted to do was take a month and have a diverse selection of guests who talk to us from their space currently and their journey to that space. And along the way, I'd like to know the things that they consider, therefore I call it All Things Considered. We will hear stories that involve lessons learned, heroes and sheroes. We will hear major decisions that were made, dreams and challenges that were experienced. And I have a favorite uh, author, coach, Marianne Wil- Wil- Williamson, who um, has a beautiful saying about who we are not and who we are. And it will c- help us create our common thought space for today. So I quote, <clears throat> There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make magna, magna, excuse me, we are born to manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I want to say that again. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Additionally, love is what we are born with. Fear is what we learn spiritual journey is the unlearning of fear and the prejudices and the acceptance of love back in our hearts love is essential it's a reality and our purpose on earth to be consciously aware of it to experience love in ourselves and others is the meaning of life meaning does not lie in things meaning lies in us Marianne again is confirming that our lives as a per as a process where we are filled with gifts and talents that will equip us to be the person we were chosen to be sometimes we have a hard time celebrating the innate goodness in ourselves as well as empower others to do the same my guest today believes that we are all created to shine and to empower others to do the same he knows how to help us make our dreams come true. He understands transition from a no longer to a not yet. And after our break, he's going to share some of those insights with us. You stay close. Grab a snack. We'll be right back. And we are back. At this time, I'd like to welcome to Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Mr. Den- Dennis Faust. And he's not only going to introduce himself, he brought us a bonus. Dennis?
1: Well, thank you very much, Tyra. Uh, thank you for letting me onto your uh, your show today. It's, it's my honor to be here. And thank you for letting me speak to your speakers to your listeners today. And uh, again, this is my wife to my right. Can't see, but you can hear me introduce her to my right. On my right side is Lindsay.
0: Now I heard right three times. Yep. <laughs> so there's probably a metaphor in there somewhere. If I look for to my right, on my right, I'm glad you brought her. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Uh, tell us uh, about yourself in this way. I ask each of my guests to pre- pretend like they are a book in a human library, and tell us what you'd like to to have as your preface to engage us enough that we want to read the whole book. Who
1: are you? Yeah, absolutely. Who am I? The I guess you have to start talking about my childhood a little bit, yeah. and uh, a little bit about my mom and dad, and then how I grew up, the, uh, a son of a tradesman, not college educated. Uh, went to college probably for like that 30 days and realized it wasn't for him, and then he went out and became an electrician, and then uh, met my mom, and settled down realizing he had to make a real income and grow up a little bit, this is what he would describe. Then he became a salesman, uh, then uh, brought three, I think, beautiful children into the earth, <laughs> so into the world. And uh, then we, <coughs> as a salesman, he moved, we moved around quite a bit um, mm-hmm. and uh, here in the United States. Then uh, working through that, the, that sort of struggle, I probably saw a little of that um, up to about the ages of you know about six years old. I saw that hardworking salesman mentality that had to be pushed through. Um, you know, Dad weighed a lot. Mom sort of hunkered mm-hmm. down, taking care of the family. And then I sort of saw that a uh, golden age, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, that that about the age of you know six, seven years old to about the age of fourteen. That golden era of a time period where a salesman really makes his mark. Yes. And yes. that was so. That was very, very. Uh, didn't understand necessarily when you're at that age right. what that means. But you know the summer camps. Everybody's at summer camps and. Um, mom's doing all this for you all the newest clothes and Mm -hmm. you know I had all the run DMC first album editions you know all that good stuff right and then uh, and then like a lot of stereotypes that occurred during the uh, in the 80s time Mm -hmm. frame where the economy took that that really hard uh, turnaround and uh, my dad went through that he you know his whole life not college educated but a grinder in life but very successful at it then he had to turn around and had to get a new job and a new trade and that w- and spent even more time away from the family. And then I became, a, well, again, a 1980s, really a statistic of a split family. Okay. And then this is where now you're kind of seeing a little bit of a mom, a little bit of dad. Uh, and then that, that gets you through all the way through high school. And then where you go, um, you know, with some of those micro heroes, right? I don't think a lot of people talk, Everyone, a lot of people talks about the big heroes. In life and all the Nike commercial heroes but you know the, the it's the micro heroes and I think for a, as, a, as a guy and I, I hope that your listeners the, the men listeners out there I think they can really appeal to this where they go you know what it's not necessarily that one person but there was so many little people that in their life that became big people because they said you know you're a really smart kid you hang in there you know man you're really fast on the track keep running faster Um, and you, wow, you're really playing that piano really well, you know, you should really think about that next thing in your life. And so that really sort of helped shape my philosophy, moving through high school.
0: These people, in my mind, right away I saw mentor, and there was something in you that made you listen to those tapes Mm -hmm. versus, I'm sure, other tapes that were existing that were maybe not that healthy. Now one thing I want to park on when you said, so we became a split family for a period of time. What kind of feelings that I did that evoke in you that period of time?
1: So uh, two feelings. One naturally would be the anger of of the why. Right. And so I think and I think that forms later on into how you get into the how I how I joined the military. Right. Okay. So there's some some so there's some anger there. But I think what the other part was was the really strong desire to find something positive to fill my life with something positive. And some of that is with uh, just, you know, I decided that there was already um, so much of the strain mm-hmm. that I didn't need that any more of that. So I didn't, I never veered to the dark side of high school. You know, I, I just kind of veered to, I just moved to, I was in a, I was wasn't like in a fame school. Mm-hmm. So it's an arts sort of school. So I just kind of stuck with the musicians and the, and the dancers. And, and I played piano at that time. And, you know, and, and that had a strong, the arts has a very strong impact of, I realize Hollywood may look at it in a negative way sometimes, but it really kept me on the narrow with staying focused. Hey, you know, college is tomorrow or something in your life is tomorrow. And the only way you can do that in an art school is you've got to stay focused mm-hmm. on, you know, in the positive, in the light. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of that, whether it be a piano instructor or just an English professor who's, who tried to help me through You know, that that reading interpretation of of something to kill a mockingbird, for example, Mm -hmm. and yet and yet I could remember that moment like it was yesterday. So it's really nice. I it really helped focus me when you have a device, when you have a divided family to keep Mm -hmm. you together. I. What kept me together in that in those emotions was school, which I think that is I think that's true about a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have a device, a divided family, what keeps you together is, is school and your friends and your teachers.
0: And that's a shout out to our education system. Yeah,
1: absolutely. To
0: understand that they can be a precursor to success in situations like they can be the band-aid. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, I was teacher principal. I, I really appreciate that because I understood when a child's eyes lit up, when something resonated and how important that was. And, you know, this is a shout out to any of you in education or anybody dealing with young people. Here's a testimony to the positive result that can come if you hang in there, watch them, love them. I think the key thing was the connection, the connection with that person.
1: Right, and it was, I would say that the connection is, it, it, you know, I think teachers get it. You know, where I know the teachers get it. It's not the big things. It's, Mm -hmm. It's really those little things of, um, you know, when you see a, to describe me to your listeners, you know, at, at, at uh, at those ages of in high school of, you know, let's t- let's take, step back a little bit. I was probably, uh, 88 pounds and I was five foot five. So what does that describe you at, as a student being healthy or in, in, in fact, you immediately surmise it as being very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So when you, you, yet you grow up with a grandmother. So let's step back even further who grew up through the depression, mm-hmm. who goes, who, who, even though I may have been a child of a handout at that point with, with um, you know, with free lunches and food stamps and all the social programs, I was definitely checking those blocks in my life. But, you know, when someone can come up to you, but I grew up, though, with a grandmother who goes, the only handout is the one that you work for. And where, so when somebody hands you a free lunch ticket and you have to go in a separate line for the free ticket that nobody else goes to, you skip it. Mm-hmm. You go, no, I'm not going to eat. Mm. And uh, I think there are a lot of kids out there like me, too. Uh, and I hope that they're they're becoming less and less. But that's what it was when I grew up now. So but yet when you have somebody that comes up to you and hands you an apple or a sandwich. But I, I, that really shapes who I am today, mm-hmm. where those, you know, when I see uh, something don't have to be so big, something so little. I, I just you can just walk away knowing that you made such a strong impact to that young person who uh, who it's it was more than just the apple because you know they didn't take it I mean they they you it was something that was gracious and they're very grateful people like me are very grateful in life for the people that are around me and it really has to do with just that
0: I think uh, what you're really talking about is inspiration when someone inspires you it's generally not an external thing it's the connection that clicks and gives you that courage to go another moment feeling good about you and I, I see it as one of the elements of empower, empowerment. So I'm going to give a shout out to all of those who deposited into your life you because know, I you. think uh, you're one of my favorite guys.
1: Well, <laughs> you are the happiest person I know. <laughs> so I appreciate
0: that. So the fact that I haven't slept for days doesn't matter. You look
1: great for your listeners. No, you're beautiful. <laughs> thank you very much.
0: So, um, OK, I'm loving the story. Now, it's high school transition. What are your choices? What do you do?
1: So, you know, I'm. Oh man, I can tell you what I, I um I see that transition almost like it was yesterday. I see some kids being accepted to uh, Cornell. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think you know in high school, and yet I I kind of step back. You know, I'm gonna become a professor of music, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so, um, to this day, I think maybe I still will. And but you know, I slipped back there and I asked my que- I asked the question how, right? and that's the part that, in. My son is 18. He's transitioning at a high school. It's his senior year. And he's asking himself this question, too. What do I want to do? And how do I do it? Hmm. So the for me, the how was a little bit more complicated uh, because when you when your mom and dad are are apart, and, you know, and they're separated and it's not uh, peaceful in that regard. You have to, um, you know, you, it's different. So when you're looking for financial aid and you're working for grants, a lot of that stuff just requires uh, very humble parents to work together and mm-hmm. provide the information so you can move forward. Mm-hmm. But this is to say also I didn't have, when I talk about, you talk about in mentors, I didn't have college mentors. So, uh, you know, it's, I see people, you know, when people I see going to Cornell, their moms and dads were, were doctors or lawyers or mm-hmm. inspiring marketers of the big world. And I see in the DC area as well, there's a lot of huge success like that, and I don't think people really uh, understand how, you, how the people in the DMV area look outside this area. Mm-hmm. Seeing so much success. You know, there's so many people here with a, with a master's degree. You know, I mean, they're just, they consume the area. But when I'm in high school, you know, I didn't see that. So I saw the, I did, but I applied like every, like every kid did. I applied for like three or four or five state colleges, um, was willing to take the uh, community college. And uh, but at the end of the day, I wonder if this resonates uh, with any of your listeners. But I didn't know how to pay for it. I got you. You know, it the, does. The FAFSA form. You know, we we hear about the stay with the millennial kids, but we also hear about the, all those people now in their 40s and 50s, and heck, even in their 60s. And guess what? They still owe on their college loans. Yes. And I saw that at 18, and I didn't, and I knew that a 30 year my first loan my first home was actually going to be a college loan for 500 600 000. you know these numbers are just unreal to someone like right. me living with a single mom you know working three jobs so that was something i couldn't wrap my heads around and i wonder if your listeners can't wrap their heads around that either where h- how do i do that the tuition even today is something that is it's different it's very high and mm. then you're looking at results so what i did was I, I weighed that out and you know just when I thought that the lights were going to be too dark for me to adventure outside high school and they really were uh, I was looking at a Juilliard pickup for mm-hmm. music and uh, and at the same time I was looking at the University of South Florida as it was also a free ride the it became unattentable due to some things are occurring in my family that they have to get along with my mom and dad and just as I thought all hopes were over with, I was going to be working at three jobs, a lot like my mom, a lot like, you know, like a lot of people, right, where you become a grinder in life that the, uh, in high school, the uh, young man came up to me in, in a uniform, in a Navy uniform, and said, you know, I've got this, you know, I, I don't know if you know about this, but we serve three meals a day, and we pay you too. And, well, that really, that almost, that touched my heart. You know when someone goes that i no longer have to be a responsibility to my mom uh ever and that at the same time i get to leave that it wasn't a rural town but i think of my son right now who lives in a very rural town out in middletown ohio and where he doesn't have he doesn't see the success like like seeing like you tyra and people like that around him all day and when you have so and when you have someone in the military that can come up to you and go I can take you out of this and I can bring you into the light mm-hmm. and feed you, clothe you. And by the way, I can help you travel and see some really cool stuff. Right. That just, and by the way, I'm going to teach you a trade. That's, uh, I was like, he didn't have to sell me on the, the, the paycheck or right, like, uh, right. but he did tell me though, that I could get a college education out of it. So I, I gotta tell you, he kind of hit more boxes, check, checks in the block than I could have ever wanted. So that's what what led me to the transition of of my military life.
0: Um, First of all, I should have done this earlier. Thank you for your service. (laughs) Thank you. Um, What I'm hearing you say in summary of your journey is uh, it seemed pretty much like everybody else's for a period of time. Then there were some key incidences that changed family structure as well as your expectations. But what I also heard you say, you kept hoping. You kept hoping. You kept seeing yourself. You saw an outcome. You just didn't know how to get there, you know? And you answered the question, what do I want to be? Where do I... But how do I pay for it? How do I not become what I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm smiling at you because uh, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. And when I worked for IBM, Middletown <laughs> was one of my, one of my um, part of my territory mm. and on top of that i worked for the president of university of south florida for six <laughs> oh years my. and so i'm going i didn't know that about dennis <laughs> yeah. i didn't know that things happen on a radio show don't they yeah
1: that's crazy that's uh we have, no we have even more to talk about i after.
0: know i know so all right you said yes to the Navy.
1: i did you know and he's talking about that keeping the the dream alive I remember even when I got out there, and you know, my responsibility in the end wasn't to be a musician, which was my ask, which was my goal. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out to be a musician in the Navy, um, but I remember driving a, a warship and off the coast of uh, off the coast of Africa. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was off the coast of Somalia, and I used to, and, you know, these days, where everybody can investigate everybody's statements to truth but Mm -hmm. if somebody was a troll out there they they could uh, they could validate that I used to carry Harvard uh, admissions book in my back pocket when I used to stand watch on the on the bridge on the warship and because it was I didn't know because in reality the how never got answered but my why and my dream never ended so I kind of stopped complaining or or not complaining but I stopped trying to focus or point out the I don't know how and I just focused on the what do I need to do to get there right you need to have this in my SATs or Mm -hmm. oh my goodness I have to have an interview with really you know with with these people and you know you hear about people's letters of recommendations from congressmen now this is before google and stuff Mm -hmm. so you had to do a lot of work in libraries to find out the facts of what it takes to get accepted at an ivy league school so the, I used to just carry that Harvard Law and you know people laughed at me but it didn't matter because well they weren't going and I wasn't going and but it was it was better it's better reading than a lot of other stuff being read out there at sea at the time so right. I was uh it kept, it kept the dream very much alive for me to receive at ultimately to receive higher education and that there was more out there for me than just what it was today so keeping that perspective going all the way back to the beginning of our conversation is that that my personality has seemingly has never changed. It's just my perspective at the moment has continuously molded and modified to maintain the light moving forward in my life.
0: I am really, I'm touched. I am, uh, I love the fact that your vision board was the Harvard mm. admissions manual. You kept that in front of you and I also heard you say Pretty soon, the how became minimal, but the what do I have to do was always in front of you. And uh, for all of you out there, you know, dreaming, dreaming can make it so. It really can. So now, uh, I'm I'm off the coast of Somalia. I'm on a ship. <laughs> uh, I'm watching you with this Harvard uh, admissions manual in your pocket, I'm going like, what? And what would you say to me then? What was happening then?
1: Uh, well, it was. Uh well what is happening there it's a it's pretty uh, bad you know it's a, a early 1990s oh um so this is part of balance right this is i would say relate this to all your all the listeners out there relate this in your life where you see those bills coming in and you know and maybe you're sitting there and i hope you are with your own type of parallel uh harvard book and that you are you're saying to yourself these bills coming in i was sitting off the coast of somalia watching Many of my um, my marine friends not coming back alive. So this oh. is during Black Hawk Down, during that era of uh, uh-huh. mista- of mistakes and poor decisions. That that yet even in those times of turmoil, of losing my friends, that it it always had something for me to. This was something, and then many uh, in some other things, but writing letters back home and so forth like that. It gave me the ability to take a timeout and say, "Here's something that's still out there." It kept It kept the light very mm. alive. And and look, let's let's be honest. There's a lot of listeners out there that have people, you know, friends and family that that maybe, you know, depending on where they're at in the suburb, you know, in their city, like Chicago. And there's a lot of other violent places in the U.S. that, that their friends have maybe passed away due to shootings and stuff like that. But I, I ask you to please inspire yourself to find uh, uh, another how. you know another why. you know you don't what is it that I'm sure I know, I know you're there not trying to be there. So you need to keep referencing that that why and don't worry that you'll, you'll find you'll fig, it'll happen. You just have to um, realize that that you, the only time that you the only time it'll stop, the only time that you'll be stuck there is when you stop reading that Harvard book that's I when you'll get that.
0: stuck I love what you have said um, sometimes sermons come at the most unexpected times and for me I walk through life and I may be in the grocery store and ask someone how are you and they may say something I put in my my spiritual doggy bag and carry around with me so you never know when a truth that can touch your life uh, comes to you. you never know how it's gonna come so I'm sitting here humbled by your transparency and your vulnerability and I appreciate that um, how long did you stay in service
1: uh, so <laughs> the, my goal was to do uh, four years get uh-huh. out and, you know I going to get my GI Bill you know again I'm gonna get my college education right, and, and right. run out and things like that and uh, I, I said that about <laughs> I said that almost every day 23 and a half years later I um, and I think it was one of those things where the At every turn I said look, I may be in the military, but as soon as they stop, as soon as I stop promoting, as soon as I stop learning, as soon as I stop moving higher in this field, then I'm going to just, I'm going to just do a complete transition. And then it never stopped for 23 and a half years. It never stopped. The, where, you know, I didn't get to Harvard, but I did, I did go to, (laughs) I got accepted at Vanderbilt finally, but I I, I attended the uh, University of Memphis and and then I uh, received a commission and then I worked uh, way through that as well for the remainder of my naval career.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Alright so you did get close to it.
1: You he- know I, I the fact that I'm a, a college graduate means I succeeded. There you go say it again. You know I'm as a college graduate I succeeded at my goal. You know the, the Harvard was the, the name but it was at the at that at the core level it was the bachelor it was the degree of giving me opportunity to do something more than what I saw my father and my mother have mm-hmm. and then I received my you know and I just kept going that's just interesting it's very contagious about formal education you know I just kept going you know like why not I've already gone this far so I got right. I, I I attained my master's degree it wasn't very quickly and uh, I, I did I attained my master's degree and I, I gotta tell you that it was it I didn't think it was possible. You know, I sat there with an associate's degree and it, it all started and I looked back and I had my associate's degree and I go, okay, now what does it take for me to get my undergraduate degree? And I remember somebody saying, it's gonna take the way you're going four more years. And I'm like, wait, it took me six years just to get my associate's degree. What do you uh-huh. mean four more years? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and I was just like, "It, it you know, and, and again, you know what happened was life g- gave me an opportunity to put a barricade in front of me okay and say I'm not gonna do it I can't do it I look how hard it was to get this I've now have two kids okay all right yeah okay. I, but I just knocked it down and, and uh, worked my way through it persevered
0: um, one of my most favorite quotes in the entire world I met a uh, chief from Kenya and he happened to be working at the same university where I was and he said to me once Impossible is merely a word to describe the degree of difficulty. So if we take impossible as an all-consuming wall in front of us and understand it, take the power back. It's only a word, you know? How high do I have to jump does not mean I can't jump and I can't jump that high. So that, that's, that's wonderful. And uh, 23 and a half years of promotion, determination, additional education family children boom what made you leave uh,
1: i would say it was the for me wow okay so it definitely was the self-awareness that after all these years and so as for your listeners you know i it was 18 right i was like five, three, four days after i graduated high school i joined the military okay that i realized And I speak a little bit to my younger self to say, you know, that for those, for those years, you know, you worked way too hard. So while looking for success, uh, in a lot of ways, I lost my passion for why I was working so hard for success. Success and passion don't always line up. That's true. Um, That's very true. Success of promotion is what I talk about, right, in the military. Success of promotion did not mean success of passion. And this isn't to say I wasn't happy or I, I, I didn't achieve many great things, and I think I did. Um, but when you have an opportunity, a lot of times it happens in the military. I, I hope it, I think it does in, this, in outside as well. You, you had a crossroads and you go, if you take, take a left, you're going to keep succeeding. But if you take a right, you'll find passion. And, but I knew that both roads didn't intersect together. Mm -hmm. not at that not in the military Mm -hmm. and so i decided to take a right you know i worked for all those years and you know i didn't take any leave Mm. i didn't spend and i realized that my time with family was being sacrificed for my desire for success Mm. and i didn't want to lose that Mm -hmm. and so i chose i chose passion and i chose family and that's what turned me so that was the
0: transition
1: it was the transition of saying you know hey buddy you know let's uh Let's humble yourself a little bit. Stop being so selfish and realize that like, you have, you have just great opportunity to love your family, to love your kids so much more. So let's, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. It was a huge leap of faith. By the way, it's the most, for men, it's the scariest. It is so scary for men and it's not talked about a lot because oftentimes people to make so many parallels with passion and success for men is the same like pa- you know success means you're passionate you know the Elon Musk you know mm-hmm. these guys oh they're successful they have passion I don't know you, you should probably ask him it, Is he really passionate about it or just want to be successful the do they really have great families you know Zuckerberg as soon as he was married and he had a children now do you see that he's starting to pull back from mm-hmm. his company mm-hmm. and the reason why I would I'd say is because as a businessman as a business father mm-hmm. that he realized that a, he had to sort of cr- he needed now to create a transition he he made a huge impact and now mm-hmm. and he makes a transition now my pockets aren't as deep as his but that that thought I'm quite confident as men in business that w- whether we're talking about Zuckerberg or we're talking about myself or your listeners we we have to sit there and we sit alone And as men we we think about that a lot And then we find a point that we can say, let's do it. And we do it only because we have strong wives at home who are there to support us. And that's why I'm really glad my wife's here today to
0: hear that. Amen. I am, wow, so many things going through my head. First of all, passion, success. I just finished reading a book about three months ago when it talked about the power of a habit. And I worked for IBM, and I consulted at executive level, CEO, as a consultant, not selling equipment. And so I would sit at the end of a week or whatever. I traveled to the customer and talked to the CEO. And we had a relationship. I could be there six weeks, six months, a year and a half, whatever. And after a while, their why became evident to me. And sometimes their struggle between success, peace, spirit, and love. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And I think much of what was going on with them were the external drivers and not the internal. So I commend anyone. The thing is, we all have to know at any given moment that we're okay doing whatever we're doing, we're doing the best we can do at that moment. But that moment is just that. Life is a process. We have seasons, seasons of questioning. There are seasons when you just sit and rest. You know, it's just too much. Um, Sometimes I have those over a weekend, and I unplug, and I'm rejuvenated. Um, Now that there are so many more women in the workforce at uh, levels where they are uh, responsible for outcomes are being challenged with that. All of them can't afford a nanny. So what do you do? How do you reform the family structure so you can get it done? So um, what is what does your life look like now since you've made that change? And I want you to kind of segue into how you got to addressing veterans who may be in a choice mode who may be in a transition mode because I was very pleased when I watched the videos, training videos, I guess, the questions you asked them, which were not dead-end questions. They were open-ended and uh, they allowed their personalities to come out. How did you get there?
1: Well, where I'm at today is I I just returned from a week at Turks and (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) Caicos. That was a a tough life right now. And so at least that's what my friends tell me. And then I think that also comes back. <laughs> you to need to tell
0: you need to tell the audience where you are really what that what that is.
1: What what Turks and Caicos? Uh-huh, yes, Turks and Caicos, an island out of the Caribbean. Yes, um, for about a week, as I was doing uh, d- research on uh, destination weddings for the. Tr- so I currently own and operate a travel agency, uh, right out of here, out of the uh, Northern Virginia area, and uh, one of the things that we do very well is that we do destination weddings. This is important. And what separates us a little, well, what separates us keenly from so many others is the fact that we are, we are, we go to the destination. We are there, we're walking, we, I see all the fabrics, I see all the colors, I see next year's colors, which even though it's blue this year, you know, the the future is blue, but believe it or not, the brides are picking the most, it's like a, it's a, uh, just a floral green with gold. And it just lays out, and it works so well on the beach because you already have that turquoise blue ocean in the background. Wow. That off-white sand. And then imagine gold, uh, this gold chairs with, with the green Caribbean highlights that are just decorating everything else. And so when you mix these colors up and you touch the fabrics, which is what we do, which is what I do when I'm out there, it, 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 then it makes sense. And that's what I need to bring to my clients, to my destination brides, because that's what they need to hear.
0: Well, I have to, I have to put a comma there. I'm sitting there listening to the description, and I'm like, I'm signing up. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anybody to marry, but I want to go. <laughs> and so uh, right away you have exposed why you're successful. You have just made the image come alive of what someone with a destination wedding can expect. Oh, by the way, the colors, you know. Uh, Okay, I'm I'm through. That was your commercial. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) We'll come back to this. (laughs) So um, that's why you were there. Now, um, I picked up a tagline: "Come cruise with me." Related to something you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We do Um, as a as a true cruise planners. This is exactly our bread and butter is taking people around the world to see exotic locations and uh, getting you out of your comfort zone to experience what wonderful inclusiveness is.
0: Um, Can we do some role play? Let's do it. Okay. Um, For our listeners I was thinking how can I tell you, show you in words what it might be like to sit with Dennis and say you know i have a dream i have a bucket list i've never been to this place or that place help me so we decided that i would be that person and he is going to facilitate my dream my cruise dream uh are you ready sir
1: yeah i'm absolutely ready and if, if my wife wants to jump in because i take her just about everywhere on cruises so so uh if, if anything uh think as a as a woman, she has a very, I've learned, my wife has given me a, she has a very different perspective. On really? What, what it cru- took you that long on, to figure that one out? That's, again, that's why I invited her. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, okay, Lindsay, I so let you her and me. Chime in. just let her chime Great. in, but I'll leave the role, I'll leave the discussion.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, ring, ring, ring.
1: Hey, so uh, hey, this Dennis Founts, Cruise Planner at American Express Traveler. How may I help you?
0: Dennis, I have been saving for such a while because I've watched all the travel shows on TV, I've saved my little nest egg, and I want to take a cruise. I don't know how to manage the money, don't know how much it'll cost, but um, I think I'd like to cruise the Mediterranean.
1: Well, well first of all, I'm just really, glad. what I hear in you saying, Tyra, is that the you are ready to explore Europe. And yes. that, I would tell you that that is, that's wonderful. The what the Mediterranean provides, if I'm not sure what, how much research you've done, but the Mediterranean brings you this warmth mm-hmm. of, of the seas coming yes. up north yes. through Africa. Yes, right? yes, yes, so that's what have I want. You this beautiful warmth, but you have a culture that brings from the north of Europe. So, at, so whether you want to be in Italy and see, maybe even go up to, to Rome, or maybe you want to go to the Greek Isles and s- go to Mykonos. That or a small little island like in Palma, I know that there's something that we can make sure that you can get to. And I hear that you're saving, which means that you're serious to you. Oh, yes. So I want you to know that I'm serious to you. So let's make this happen.
0: I, um, I love art. Uh, I love different cultures. Most of my traveling has been uh, education-related. Uh, I stayed with a Mexican family in Mexico for an entire summer. I went there not speaking a word of Spanish and the five and seven-year-old who lived there taught me. They spoke no English but it was an intercultural communication at the Inter-American University and I came home and took me a while to kind of debrief and figure out what had happened to me and what I learned is I I want a chance to discover whatever the port of call is I want to get some Indigenous touches. I don't want it all to be, well, okay. You're going to you're going to uh, St. Peter's Square. You're gonna, you know, da da da. Yeah, I want to go there, but maybe I want to spend time uh, in the Vatican Museum, you know. So knowing that I love art, and uh, I'm saving up for a second vacation, which will take me to Africa, because I also appreciate uh, sculpture. And indigenous art so I'm thinking this time I'm focusing on European I don't know what I'm doing I think because of history I did a lot of ancient history and uh, I studied art in college so what do you suggest which countries because I know there are a lot of ports of call available if I'm cruising the Mediterranean what do you think
1: yeah sure. so uh, that so what I hear saying is that you're not a tourist you're a traveler yes and that is really so i really that's the kind of the pre-qualifiers that i w- i really would love to hear so what i would suggest is we actually do like a you coming in before the cruise let, I'd, r- I'd rather have our cruise start in rome if you don't mind i and don't and mind <laughs> yeah. and i'd like for it to i'd like for you to because the cost is seemingly it's going to be one for one that to come in like two to three nights before the cruise, and then let's get you up there. Let's get you up there to Rome. Mm-hmm. Really get into the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Each of those um, get you in there ahead of the line, and spend the. Day. You can do that. We can d- we can do that. We can we can create each segment of your travel, you know, by by itself. So one of the things that one of the many things that we provide is that. Full inclusiveness from the beginning to the end, for so that the d- we like to say at, tra- at traveling guru that we like to keep it simple and make it elegant. So from the time that you get on that airplane, in the time that you arrive, that somebody you never had to worry about someone picking you up in mm-hmm. a place you've never been, mm-hmm. getting to your hotel which you've never been, and and by the way, can you don't trust because you've never been there, mm-hmm. and seeing these locations having people escort you and take you to locations and getting you on trains and bringing you back and getting you on board and eating <laughs> the food and, and again, all with strangers and people you may never heard of. And yet getting you to have that insider treatment that you deserve because you want to be a traveler. And that's what we do at, at Traveling Gurus. We like to keep it simple make it elegant.
0: I and, love that. And, I you know, love that slogan. I am going to try and, and so close with that. I have two questions. Languages, you know how comfortable must I be with foreign languages? I don't have a lot of time before I think I want to go in a couple of months. I don't have a lot of time to l- learn languages. I, I I've studied Latin and French, uh, and Spanish, and they are all somewhere in the recluse places of my mind at this point. But also, I don't eat uh, meat. I eat fish and fowl. So, how does that diet? and ability to communicate, enter into our discussion of my trip.
1: So as a travel concierge service, that's exactly the, that really that needed information about, I mean, there's no travel, I've learned after all these years, no mm. two people's travel are exactly the same, even mm. if they're going to the same location. Right, all right. So let's just say we had the swine eaters who were <laughs> there <laughs> the week before, you doing the same itinerary as yours, your vacation is gonna look very different. Yes, yes, right? yes. So here I would make sure that you're all your guides were English speaking okay and then if you want to speak Italian or wherever you're wanting to be sure go ahead but the guide is is an expert at his field of giving you travel insight Mm -hmm. speaking English Mm -hmm. and that while you're there I've made it very clear to the hotel to the cruise ship Mm -hmm. that and that's one of the great things about cruising which where it's more than just you unpack once and (laughs) you see the world right? that you also have a multitude of opportunity to eat different types of food. Yes. And one nice things about cruising too when it, when it comes to eating, whether it be fowl or vegetarian or, or meat, is that those for the cruise ships that are going, they bring on the food, they bring on the culture from those locations. Okay. So if, if you're in Barcelona, yeah, yeah. if you're pulling into Barcelona that day, guess what you're going to have? You're going to have food from Spain. You're going to maybe even have entertainment on board from Spain. Mm. So. The, so now when you're asking for something vegetarian, well, that's not a problem because they eat lots of fruit and, and mm-hmm. or, or, you know chicken, too. But, you know, but they have and, and you're not just going to get the burger joint, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're getting culturally immersed into that environment through food. And, you know, and that's what that's what traveling is. You know, it's getting away from the McDonald's and the so forth. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But you're looking for someone to bring you into a culture where you can eat authentic food that is. Well, by the way, it's it's paid for. It's provided, right? You're on a cruise, so all your food and your entertainment—that's all included. So, what a treasure and what an extra benefit that is from cruising through the Mediterranean.
0: Oh, absolutely! And I'll have an opportunity to see the art.
1: Oh, absolutely, and even more so. And this is where knowing you that I can arrange to make sure that the art is that your travel is is geared towards you. It's filtered for you, so you're not going to. Uncle Bobby's olive garden. You're going to go straight to the art gallery? Yes. You know, like even in Malta. Malta, oh. you go to the churches in Malta yes, and yes, I yes. would say that that is an art gallery. Uh-huh. It's because I've been there. Okay. You know, as a travel concierge I've been to Malta. I know where the church I know where these places you need to go because you described yourself as a traveler. I'm going to mm-hmm. make sure I'm going to make sure that happens.
0: You know, I'm I'm sitting here thinking uh, because we've totally run out of time. That's that's always my fault. That's what
1: happens when you when we get together. Tired.
0: Um what I would like to do though, this came to my mind. Once a quarter, would you come back and visit and we take a cruise together?
1: I would love to. It you always know? it's always easy to take a cruise on, on on a podcast. So thank you very much. Yeah,
0: I I mean seriously would love to do that because I I'm with you. That's <laughs> the kind of mind I have. I can go right there with you. I want to give you an opportunity. I gave uh, I gave Dennis an assignment, as I always do, and he didn't do it, and that's okay. I've given him an alternative assignment. I asked him to reveal to us his journey, and yet, Dennis, I'm not going to punish you because what you did in, in the beginning is you told us what you probably would have told a younger self, which is keep your dream in front of you. It's not so much the how, it's the what. the why I don't want to do your letter for you but uh in about two minutes can you say what you perhaps would say to your son about the life he's about to lead?
1: sure so um, I really kind of write this letter to my my 18 year old son who's in in high school right now okay and I would just say to my younger self there's that you know you didn't you you didn't travel as much as you'd wanted to Mm um and and I you didn't spend a, as much time with family like you wanted to. The, and you missed opportunities to. You're going to miss those opportunities to bond with, with your parents, and also some siblings. And that, you know, working too hard. It, it becomes a passion in itself in some ways, where you just, you learn, I or. I say to myself that, again, going back to that, my passion didn't mean success for me, but I really thought it did for a long time. But what I realized that what my success really was, was realizing that when you when you live in a galaxy and the worlds and the universes were, even to this day with billions of dollars of technology, we still have not found intelligent life <laughs> on any other planet. That when you have the ability and you're blessed with the miracle of being a foster parent, in my case, having children, that you are special, you are unique, you are wonderful. And that the heart when the world seems so hard on you that it's just a perspective, don't, and when it gets hard and you lose that perspective, take out your Harvard book and just look at it again and just realize, like, everybody has to go to, someone's going to Harvard, and it can be you. You just have to keep, keep that dream very much alive in yourself. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to the wisdom of Mr. Dennis Fowles, who who is a travel guru, who was kind enough to bring his wife, Lindsay, with him today. You have been listening to Radio Fairfax, and I wanna just add something. And You know, there are days when we go, I'm just tired of being tired, or I don't wanna do that. Uh, Flip the script, and remember, there is nothing in your life that you are missing. There is no need to frantically become more, be more, do more, get more. You are whole and complete and were gifted with every talent and insight you needed to thrive in this world the moment you were born. I want you to know that you're worthy. You are not alone. You and your circumstances are two separate entities. You've been listening to Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. I want you to know I'm here for you. I care about you and I'm listening.